We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to this Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender HD, aka hopefully on top of you on uh, GPP leaderboards this week. I was last week. I'm here with uh, Stuart Gibson of Advanced Sports Analytics. I know we're we're, we're a little late on the show this week because uh, of scheduling, uh, and of course, uh, instead of doing a review that we typically you know kind of talk about last week. It's on the week that I actually did well, so so that's kind of that's kind of a kick in the ass where you get the right stack and the right you know three percent one off. You place a lot of lineups up there, and uh, and I, I think the, the last week's review was that uh, as expected, the Seattle Miami game was was even more over over owned than I thought it would be, and uh, Russ didn't cook. Yeah, I mean, we can do a quick. Uh, I didn't realize you had a big uh, week last week. What was the? Uh... It wasn't like huge. I mean, I just placed a lot of, I, I like top like a sixth place in one and a twelfth, and then since I had a lot of the similar stacks and you know two v twos, I, I had a I had a whole bunch of lineups in like the top fifty, top hundred, and in these large field GPPs, like it's a nine dollar entry that turns into five hundred bucks, but you have like when you have six or seven of them, it, it all adds up over. Yeah, of course well, you lot. What was kind of the prevailing mix that uh, got you up there towards the top with some of those? Uh, pretty much being overweight on uh, the Dallas Cleveland game, the Dallas stacks I with Ceedee Lamb or Dalton Schultz, and then the OBJ run back, and then also being you know I twenty five percent mixing because you know once I saw that Q tag that people were going to overreact to, I'm like okay I, I I'm I'm all on board these cheaper under six K running backs. So I'm way over on Ronald Jones, way over on Mixon, way over on, on anyone in that range. So like those combinations just kind of bubbled to the top. So, I mean, that was like 15% of my lineups in total. So, I mean, all those lineups did pretty well. And then I had so much uh, Robbie Anderson as leverage off of DJ Moore. And it's not like Robbie, Robbie Anderson needed one more yard for the, for the bonus, but he still, he outscored DJ Moore by nearly 10 points. So that helped out also. Very nice. Nice. I didn't do that much GPP last week, but did some single entry stuff with like a Jackson Andrews stack, which worked out pretty well, but I'm, I forget exactly what I did with some of the other pieces, I guess not that well. Cause it wasn't any sort of like, well, a, if you didn't have Dak throwing for 500 yards at your quarterback spot, you were kind of dead. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it goes. I mean, I think we, we talked a bit about that game last week as, you know, high, High likelihood to put up a big score just kind of the challenge was like figuring out the right pieces so nice that you um you got sounds like some of the right ones in there so cool and i think we're gonna have a very similar slate this week uh as of right now there's 11 games i think 11 on the slate uh the jets uh, currently have a presumptive positive so that game the the cardinals jets game could be in doubt but two games have already been removed but uh, similar to last week, we have like more than half the games on this slate have a 50 plus total that this may just be the new normal in the NFL this season. And uh, I think based on recency bias, I mean, it's probably it's probably a good game anyway, that uh, in the three of the four weeks 
of this NFL season in DFS. If you just stack the Cowboys with their opponent, you won. So with the Cowboys and the Giants, 54-point total, uh, Cowboys 31.75 implied. This is going to be the chalky game. Uh, even though that we have plenty of games that are 50 or over, according to your, your top stack type of percentage, who's going to score the most points? Do you mm-hmm. think that uh, although the Cowboys are running the most amount of plays, even in neutral game scripts, do you think that people are just going to go a little overboard on this Dallas passing game? Because uh, Zeke is also going to be popular also. So there's like the leverage of switching over and just playing Zeke. Like that's not, I mean, that's fine, but it's not like Zeke's going to be popular also. And the run, the, the, the opposite stack, because the Giants are so cheap. Like we're going to see a lot of stacks that are Dak, Prescott, plus someone on the Cowboys, Lamb, Gallup, Schultz, with a Slayton run back. We're going to see a lot of Zeke in Daniel Jones passing stacks with like Slayton and Engram. Uh, based on your, your calculations, do you think it's warranted? Or is this overall the top game to target from a probability standpoint? Well, um, we don't, I don't, we don't quite look as closely at like top game total, but Dallas, I mean, is coming in as the third most likely team to top the slate in terms of real points, uh, really neck and neck with Baltimore, Kansas city is, you know, far, far ahead of really this kind of Baltimore Dallas. Uh, we have, we have Dallas as a 11.9% chance of scoring the most points on the slate. Um, yeah, I mean, you would, you would figure it is going to be quite popular. And I I mean, I'm just looking at like the probabilities we have and just relative to price. I mean, it seems like, you know, there is opportunity to, uh, like, I don't know, Kansas city, the Kansas city pieces, like, aren't that much more likely, uh, I'm sorry, aren't that much more expensive than Dallas yet. We have, you know, Kansas city as, uh, nearly a 6% you know, six percentage points more likely to to top the slate. Um, you know, if if I, I've never been great at like kind of projecting, um, you know, ownership and where kind of the, the popularity is going to be. But if you think that Dallas is going to be super popular, I mean, it, it seems like there might be an opportunity to just move up, pay a little bit more to get to like the Kansas City guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have to imagine that Dak, Amari, Lamb will be super popular. I think uh, Slayton probably figures to be the natural bring back on the giant side. Um, I guess maybe if you want to get exposure to this game it, it, and, and you do think that that kind of four player mix is going to be super popular, it might be worthwhile to explore alternative pieces in this game. And, and sorry, we'll throw in Zeke, I guess is kind of a fifth player that figures to suck up a lot of ownership in this game. I mean, is it worth trying to go for like a guy like Gallup who hasn't been, you know, super productive so far this year, and maybe there might be suppressed ownership on him. Um, is it worth? Well, I think at his price, I mean, he's 5,400. So his price has actually come down in comparison to Cooper and lamb. Got it. So definitely. I think the ownership on this game, as opposed to Kansas city and as opposed to Baltimore is you got the unique situations in both of those games. Baltimore is a tough team to stack. So people tend not to. And then Kansas city is a 13 point favorite. Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be chalky as the running back, but the Mahomes stacks less so because if they get out to such a huge lead, like, like is, is there a natural, I mean, there are runbacks with the Raiders, but I think the ju- people look at the Cowboys defense and go nine and a half point spread. Uh, let's, let's, let's think about that. That the, the Cowboys could be down by 10 points in the first quarter. Cause we've seen it before. So I think a lot of people are more confident that uh, the Cowboys defense will allow points to the giants. than that the chiefs defense is actually pretty good. Pretty good. Ravens defense is, is obviously good that, going down to that level. I mean, there'll be another chalky game that isn't those two as well. But I just think the pricing on the Giants is what makes that game stack popular. And 
just the thought of like, well, the Cowboys get to a two, three touchdown lead. Like the Cowboys aren't going to pitch a shutout. So when we have Giants receivers that are under 5,000, it's a price play. Daniel Jones is 5,400. Even Devontae Freeman is under 5,000. If you want to play him, all the receivers are under 5K. So I think, I think a lot of people are either going to build Dallas passing stacks with a Slayton run back or an Engram run back or a Tate run back, something like that. Or they're going to build Zeke lineups with Daniel Jones stacks, Daniel Jones plus Tate plus Slayton or Engram or one of those types of things and play for a 40 point Zeke game. And then Daniel Jones, who also has rushing upside, like Daniel Jones at 5,400 could, could put up 30 points. In a game where Zeke goes nuts and and the Giants, you know, have to come back, but you have to mitigate that with the ownership of that. I think I'm more likely, although I probably will have some Daniel Jones stacks, I think I'm more likely to play secondary correlations in this game. Like, I I think this game is owned rightfully so. Like, I, I think people are targeting for the right reasons, but... Instead of the four-player stack, the three plus one, three plus two, two plus one, those types of things, maybe, you know, have a, a Gallup and Slayton in the lineup, and that's it. You know, or Amari Cooper and Devontae Freeman, Zeke and Golden Tate. Like, take one piece of both sides and then stack a different game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you, you mentioned those concerns with kind of the Baltimore-Kansas City that there's maybe a lack of fire – not so much a lack of firepower on the other side, but just that those two defenses are tough making – bringbacks in those games a little less appealing than this Dallas game. I mean, would a feasible strategy be to like do like a Baltimore, you know, skinny kind of onslaught stack where you just don't try to bring back the other side and maybe just go small in Baltimore, like, you know, Lamar Andrews, Lamar Brown. Um, and then, you know, it's like, you're, you're really actually stacking up, you know, more of this Dallas uh, New York giants game, but, you just don't have the quarterback essentially. And you're maybe pulling your quarterback plus a receiver from another game. And maybe, you know, you could even do, um, I don't know. I mean, would it be, would it be silly to just do like a, you know, two, two plus two without the quarterback uh, in that game? Or would you want to restrict it to like two plus one or one plus one? If, if you're not taking the quarterback. Yeah. And and typically I'm not going to take two receivers from a team without playing the quarterback in large field because what, what's the probability that both those receivers have ceiling games and some other quarterback is the top scoring quarterback? I mean, it can happen. Yes, it can happen. I could take two Giants receivers. They both have 100-yard games. But, I mean, Jones is 5,400. How do they both have that big of a score for me not to get paid off? Like, Lamar Jackson would have to go for, like, 50 points. I mean, like, yeah. like another quarterback, it's because of the price of the quarterback. Dak, I'm not as concerned about because he's, he's, he's much higher priced. It's more the fact of, do I play two Giants receivers for a ceiling without playing a $5,400 Daniel Jones? That just seems so unlikely. How how does that correlate? How do both of them get there without Jones at that cheap of a price paying off his salary? That's mm-hmm. why I, I I like your sentiment on the, on the Ravens. The Ravens are so much better as skinny stacks because Lamar gets there with his feet. So to pair him with Brown or Andrews makes the most sense. But still, I'd want to have a run back. And I think... Uh, the cheap run back for the for the Bengals is T Higgins because he's mm. under 5k rather than I mean the Bengals spread it out a lot of times if with Burrow right. so like I prefer AJ Green is kind of a corpse so I mean it's like he got what like two targets the last game Tyler Boyd is expensive which I don't mind that but I think the, the what is going to lower the ownership of the Ravens game is the fact of that they're 13 point favorites at home, right? They're at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the can the Bengals hang with them? Is the Ravens defense too good that does anyone get there? If, if this game ends up being 35, 14, does, does anyone on the Bengals get a ceiling? Does like, that's why I think, taking the cheap piece like Higgins, at least getting someone out of a $4,600 player than a 6K Tyler Boyd. Like, I don't need 100 yards out of Higgins. Can I get uh, Can I get a six for 80 with a touchdown? Okay, that's 20 points. Yeah, I'm good. 
mm-hmm. correlated with the Lamar Jackson ceiling game, a Marquise Brown hundred yard game, an Andrews touchdown type of game. I, I think that makes sense, and I think it will be under owned. Gotcha. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, we, we've talked a bit about the the Dallas receiving pieces, uh, and obviously Zeke, you know, figures to be a popular play. Is, is there any routes to a Dak plus Zeke plus Dallas receiver being part of a winning lineup, or is that? I mean, it, the data would suggest that there's not very good correlation there. I mean, but from a uh, in an attempt to just do something that maybe the majority of the field who's playing Dallas won't be doing is that I I I think people will be doing that. I think you'll see lineups like that. And I think it's a mistake. They're too expensive. Like it's Zeke is 7,800 Dak is over seven K like for them both. Like it would have to be two passing touchdowns to Zeke. Zeke is already going to be owned. Dak is already going to be owned. Like that wins in a case where that game goes nuclear and all the other games go under like where, where like it, it's okay to have the negative like if Zeke has thirty two points and Zach has and Dak has thirty two or something like that, and every other game goes under, yeah, it'll it could win in that scenario. But I mean, we have so many games that have fifty plus totals that, like in large field GPPs, I'm looking to remove as much negative correlation as I can. So yeah. like like it's it. I mean, you've seen and you've shown in the data that Zeke is negatively correlated to the passing game, even though he's getting six, seven, eight targets. Yeah. Just that those targets have to turn into touchdowns for them to be correlative, right? You can't have Zeke, uh, you know, getting targets and carries down to the three-yard line and then then play action pass to Dalton Schultz. Like, you're killing Zeke's ceiling there. Yeah, and it's been per- – that negative correlation has been particularly bad this year. I know we're only working with four games, but, like, I'm just scrolling through our correlation app now and – you know, dating back to 2018, he's actually got like essentially no correlation with Dak and Cooper. But when you truncate to 2019 and 2020, you tend to see it skew more, you know, slightly more negative. And then here in 2020, I mean, that has been crazy. Dak's been getting a lot of rushing, rushing usage close to the goal line. And that type of stuff is, I think, what would, would really, you know, is really going to kill like any possibility of Zeke Dak, um, you know, working together in conjunction. So, um, yeah, I guess if you say if you think the field is going to actually entertain that uh, that option, uh, yeah, maybe good to let them, um, you know, be be overweight on essentially a, a, a negative to no correlation uh, stack. Um, I think we could see that similarly in the the Kansas City game because I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be the chalkiest player in that game, but it's not like Mahomes is not going to get any ownership. It's not like Kelsey or Hill aren't going to get any ownership. So I, I think uh, even though a CEH catches passes out of the backfield, I mean, from, from a goal line perspective, I'd Mahomes at his price and CEH at 6,800. Like I, I would never play them together. Like Daniel Jones and Devonte Freeman are 5,400 and 4,600. Like I don't mind the negative correlation because they don't need 40 points. I mean, like together they could get there, but like Mahomes and CEH. The thing I don't like about the, the Kansas City game is that you've shown in the data that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are typically negatively correlated. So the yeah. stack, so to me, the leverage stack in this game is Mahomes plus Watkins plus, or Hardman even, plus either Hill or Kelsey because one, uh, you're not playing Hill and Kelsey together. Uh, mm-hmm. They're both expensive also, so it's harder for them both to hit ceilings at the same time with Mahomes. And then you're getting natural leverage off of the running game that's going to be popular, the CEH chalk. And based on our ownership that that we have, I mean, I think they're going to be under-owned. I think the problem in this game is, do you think the Raiders can keep up with the Chiefs and how that's going to happen? I think Henry Ruggs is going to be back for this game. So we don't have we we don't have as much of a condensed target share like we had last game. Uh, Waller is probably still the top target. Uh, I'm not sure Jacobs is that correlated in a three plus one. Typically, if Jacobs has a big game, it's because the Raiders are leading. Mm-hmm. Hunter Renfro isn't going to be on the field as much with Rugs back. Aguilar is not going to. I mean, like now they have they have a lot of pieces there. None of them are that good. 
But I mean, if you're going to play Hill, if you're going to play a, a stack of like Mahomes, Watkins, Hill, it leaves your tight end spot open to play Waller as the, the run back in that versus playing Kelsey and then playing a two tight end lineup, which I don't think is, is beneficial in large field contests because tight ends just don't have access to high ceilings as other players do. So, mm-hmm. so what do you think of that when you have, you know, you have the chiefs as by far the most likely to put up the most points, but is this the type of case where it's completely valid to just stack one side of the game and just hope for just a complete drubbing? Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of depends what pieces you choose. Um, so I'm looking at kind of how, Hill and Kelsey correlate with some of those secondary receiving pieces as well as the opposing offense dating back to 2018. And I mean, Kelsey's had essentially no correlation. Um, let me find, I mean, 0.02 uh, correlation with opposing offenses. So, um, you know, I do wonder if you could get away with just a skinny Mahomes plus Kelsey and nothing on the Las Vegas side. Um, although, it does seem tough. I mean, cause those guys are pretty expensive such that like you really do need them to have a pretty big output to, to warrant the price tag. And I guess they really only get to that super high output. Um, if you know, Las Vegas is functional and kind of pushing them on the other side. Um, I don't know. I, I think, uh, like Waller is to me always an intriguing play and a, a guy that I'm typically pretty high on. Um, he's kind of hot and cold um, at times. Um, I do like a little, a little more going with Hill. Uh, he just seems to have better correlation properties with the opposition uh, and also better correlation properties with some of the secondary receiving pieces. Uh, not so much Sammy Watkins, but like, Hill and Hardman have pretty good positive correlation. Uh, I think that's an area you could look. Um, you know, you mentioned Ruggs coming back. I think he, you know, we don't really have much data on him, so it's hard to really, you know, we're, we're really just speculating on kind of what his relationship is with production of the offenses. But, I mean, typically, you know, you have a guy with his kind of athletic uh, plus downfield uh, kind of player profile. That is typically a guy, I think, that, you know, would we would expect to correlate well with opposing offenses, you know, if he can catch a deep strike and kind of turn the ball back over quickly to the opponent. Um, I do think that would be a viable uh, route to go. Um, but yeah, this game, just because of the negative correlation uh, among Kansas City, Kansas City receiving uh, options and, uh, you know, somewhat limited, you know, weapons on the Las Vegas side, Aside from Jacobs, but we, I think we agree he's not really a guy that you want to bring back um, in many games. Uh, yeah, it does. It does kind of feel like a game to be interested in. In a like, yeah, you don't want to get too many pieces from this game uh, the way we feel with like the Dallas uh, New York game. Right. Well, you could just choose not to stack it. You could play a non. You know, just don't play Mahomes because Mahomes at his price needs to put up 300 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So I take a look at that and go, if he needs to put up 300 yards and three touchdowns, well, I need to take two pieces with him. So if he doesn't put up two, 300 yards and three touchdowns, I'll take the one guy that does well. You take yep. one the one of the receivers and you don't have to bring, you could just play all these guys as one-offs. Like CEH is going to be a one-off. You don't necessarily have to do a secondary correlation. Although I would consider Tyreek Hill and Darren Waller Like Mm -hmm. Kelsey and Waller are just, I can't put them together because I'm not going to make a two tight end lineup. So, so Hill and Waller, Watkins, Waller, Hardman, Waller, something like that. And I think that tight, tight end, uh, they they have a bunch of good options on the the top end of tight end that Waller is not going to be. I mean, we have, uh, I mean, we have Waller currently on RG at 5% owned. So like if Waller put up a, a hundred yard game and a touchdown, like you're never shocked. Right. I mean, yeah. so at 5% ownership, I mean, Kelsey's going to be twice his owned. Yeah. And play you, a Hill Waller combination. Yeah. When you have Kittle on the slate too, in San Francisco, another pretty high total game. Like, yeah, I could see Waller going a bit under owned. Um, he, he's always a guy I like, you know, just shows up well in our models. Um, he'll probably be a little suppressed this week with the return of rugs, but um 
yeah, still, I mean, we, we've seen him already this year uh, put up at least one kind of, I guess, showdown slate breaking game. But I mean, the guy is susceptible to go over 100 yards, uh, I think, any week. So, um, yeah. Okay. So we talked about what should be the chalkiest game, the Cowboys Giants. Mm-hmm. Talked about games that could, I mean, they have high totals in your model, right? The Chiefs, the Ravens. Who do you, what, what game do you think is going to be the next chalk? I, mean, uh, I know the answer. I'm just trying to, because Stuart, you typically don't pay attention <laughs> to the ownership. So sometimes you get surprised. Yeah. yeah. So kind of like, what do you think the game that's going to have the next amount of ownership out after the Cowboys and the Giants? Uh, Houston, I could see being popular. Um, I could see people really liking, again, the Miami side of San Francisco, Miami. Uh, I don't know. Those would be my two guesses. That I... And you'd be wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, the, the Houston, okay. The Houston one, well, we'll get to that. That should be, that should be like the third most popular game. Uh, no, we're talking about the Panthers versus the Falcons. Got it. 53 and a half total. Uh, we have, uh, we've, okay. Let's see. We, I've, I've breaking news, even though you're probably listening later, uh, Julio Jones will run. And if he has strength today, he'll go Sunday. If not, he won't. So they're testing him today. So you will know it won't be one of those things where, you know, we'll have to see the inactives, but if Julio doesn't play, we got Mike Davis on the Panthers who has not been priced up enough for the role that he has, which is essentially Christian McCaffrey. Uh, So he'll be popular. The Panthers, the the Falcons defense is horrible. The the Panthers wideouts are still six K. So they're going to garner double digit ownership. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater may have a little bit of ownership because the stack makes sense. Uh, then we have Ryan at 6,100 at home in a dome coming off a bad game. And if Julio Jones is out, Ridley is probably efficiently priced at 7,500. Still a good, still, I mean, you could still play him, but then we get uh, Olamides Zacchaeus at 3K coming in to fill basically Julio Jones's role. And I always want to, state with these types of things because we've said it before on the show with guys like kj hamler uh and guys that come in drew sample where the week before someone gets injured in the middle of a game they come in and do well but i'm using the just the common sense that you have to consider the fact that did they do well because they're coming in filling someone else's role and basically did Zacchaeus come in and played Julio Jones? Yeah. Did Drew Sample come in and play CJ Uzuma? So now that they have a week to prepare, I know Ridley had a zero on the Island game because I had a ton of them. So I definitely know that. Same. Is it more or less likely that Zacchaeus just walks? I mean, he's still going to be the third receiver, but he's 3K on DraftKings especially now that the Titans are off the slate because they have a cheap receiver also that could have been played, but they're gone. Uh, This game is just so easy to stack up price-wise that you could play Ryan, Ridley, Zacchaeus, or Hurst, or you could pair Gage's 5,100. And then on the Carolina, and then that run back is Mike Davis, a pass-catching running back. Or you could do it the opposite way. You could play Bridgewater, Moore, Anderson, even Ian Thomas at tight end. And then run it back with one of those Falcons wide receivers. It's a 53 and a half total. Uh, the Falcons are pass, you know, pass heavy type offense. Uh, pretty bad defense. Carolina, it's not like they have a great defense. The game has been bet up two and a half points. Uh, outside of ownership, uh, I mean, is, is, is your model showing that, you know, these teams don't necessarily have the, the highest chance of scoring the most points or is it, or is the attractiveness of this game more of the pricing? No, I mean, Atlanta's falling just behind Houston. Well, not quite just behind, but you know, they are what one, two, three, four, uh, six, six most likely to score the most points on the slate uh, at about 6%. Um, yeah. I mean, I think you just have two bad defenses going against one another and certainly on the Atlanta side uh, an offense that, you know, skews pass heavy, um, you know, on the Carolina side, like Davis is really attractively priced um, and has, has a great role. Um, yeah. Figuring out the Zacchaeus thing. I, I don't, I don't have really a great sense or intuition on 
you know, how you would expect it to play out. But I think you are, you know, we have talked about recently how, like you said, these guys come in in relief duty and then that role that they had in relief doesn't necessarily transition to the next week. Um, But at 3000, I mean, I think, you know, worth, worth some exposure. Um, You know, if, if you are, if he, if he does retain, you know, some lesser degree of that role that we saw the other night, um, you know, it could, could pay off um, in a big way. Um, That's only if Julio doesn't go. I mean, if we see that, if we, right. If we see that Julio is good to go, even though he may not technically be good, he's good to go. Meaning that he could play a quarter and end up injuring his hamstring again. Like, but that, that puts the chaos off the table because, Right. And then he ends up being wide receiver four and he's still worthy in a stack, but like, he doesn't like now, now he becomes a little much more iffy. Yeah. And I mean, if Julio plays, I think this game becomes, at least in my opinion, like less appealing, like these receivers, you know, Ridley and uh, Gage, I think are efficiently priced if Julio doesn't play, but if he does, they feel like seven five feels pretty expensive for Ridley if Julio's in the lineup. Five one to me feels a little expensive for Gage if Julio plays. And then on top of that, there's just like this whole thing of figuring out, you know, it seems like only one of Ridley or Julio is able to have a big game, or in the case of Monday night, it seemed like zero of them. Um it just if Julio does go, it seems like the waters become murkier the price tags on guys like Gage and Ridley become less palatable. Um, I don't know. Am I, am I crazy to think that if Julio does go, this game really loses a lot of appeal. And if he's, if he's out um, like the, the appeal of this game is conditional on kind of Julio not playing. Well, I think it, it loses more appeal on the Falcon side. Okay. Because I still think that you could play Panthers stacks without Mike Davis so that's natural leverage off of the probably the chalkiest running back on the slate. You're playing the passing game, even though okay. Davis does catch passes. Because if Julio plays, like you could play one of them, like you said, like they're all efficiently priced, which means they all they, they someone could hit a ceiling. Sure. Yeah. Do I want to play two of them in a lineup? Maybe not. So, like, if I don't want to play two of them in a lineup, how do I play Matt Ryan? Like, do I play Matt Ryan as a skinny stack with Calvin Ridley or something like that? I don't know about that. I mean, you, I guess you can. He's 6,100. He doesn't have to go absolutely nuts to put up a ceiling. But no, I would agree with you. The main the main focus of the Falcon stack would be that you get a 3K receiver in there as part of your stack, and you're able to now, you could spend up in the rest of your lineup. You can make so, many, so much better correlations in the rest yeah. of your lineup using a 3K receiver. Yeah, because there's no way I'm playing uh, Ryan Ridley-Jones. Like I'd rather if, at that point, I might as well play Mahomes, Kelsey Hill. I mean, like I want to pay that much. Let me pay for a better team. Mm-hmm. Does, um, does Gurley enter the equation in any way for you oh, or. Oh, no, <laughs> I, he's, he's, it's, he's touchdown variance. He's the d- definition of touchdown variance. The, play him in a pa- Panther stack, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, his ceiling is all dependent on touchdowns. And like, like I, I'm, I'm going to take a look. I mean, it's not, it's not like he's going to be owned much. I mean, he, he's got to be down there. Yeah. Monday night when he got two touchdowns and like, didn't even really have like an incredible game. It, it worked in the kind of two game slate format, but on, on a full slate, you know, it's like he would have to yeah go something crazy. Like, through. right. He doesn't catch enough passes and he's, they doesn't, get a hundred yards. He's going to be 7% owned in our projected yeah. ownership, but that's still too high. In my opinion, he's just, it, it's t- it, He needs to score three touchdowns on a slate this size to, for me to even be worried about him at 5,700. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, and lastly, I mean, we have seen kind of DJ Moore's price steadily decrease Robbie Anderson's price steadily increase such that they're essentially the same price. Now uh, Anderson's a hundred less. I mean, do you feel that this uh, the kind of convergence of their prices is warranted or is this just like a good buy low opportunity um, on DJ Moore or, you know, are we really feeling at this point that the presence of Anderson has, um, yeah, I mean, it, 
does it feel like this, this kind of price similarity is warranted or? Um... No, no. I, I think, I think that they should be the same price. It's just that that what we assumed their roles were based on their previous usage has been reversed. We always thought of Robbie Anderson, you know, like on the jets being the deep threat, you know, like, Oh, you can play him in GPP. He'll get four targets and he could, he, hey, he could take two down to the house. DJ Moore, we thought of as, Oh, the guy that gets 10 targets, but like they're all eight yard targets. I mean, like he, he needs to get a bunch of volume and a touchdown. And it seems like they're playing them the opposite way where Anderson is getting more of the medium routes and and Moore is getting the longer routes but from a from an opportunity standpoint they're about equal just a matter of DJ Moore has been on the negative side of variance in games and Anderson's been on the positive side so uh, we have a projected ownership Robbie Anderson at 18 percent and DJ Moore 12 percent I know last week I was the reverse because to me they're about the same so I'll play the guy that's lower owned last week the lower owned guy was Robbie Anderson this week, the lower own guy is DJ Moore. So I'm I'm much more likely to play more more this week. And especially, I could see playing either of those two guys in cash games, but most likely I don't play either of these guys with Mike Davis outside of a game stack. Gotcha. Right. I don't see myself playing Mike Davis and DJ Moore in a lineup that doesn't include Teddy Bridgewater in it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um one thing I'm just, I'm kind of looking through like uh, some different volume metrics for these guys. And both of them took a pretty big nosedive in terms of snaps last week. Um, Carolina was playing from a noteworthy lead. Um, it doesn't really seem like that is too big of a concern this week. Uh, it looks like Carolina is on the underdog side. Um, I just think that is interesting that both of them seems like uh Carolina, if in the lead, at least based on the data from this year, it looks like they might tend to want to be a little more run heavy if in the lead. It doesn't seem like that is a, a big risk uh, this week, um, but it, I thought it was just an interesting data point that they both took about a like a 20%, I think, dip in, uh, you know, almost 20% dip in snap percentage uh, last week. Um, something interesting so let's talk about the texans because you have them pretty high uh it's a 54 total in that game texans with a 30.25 implied total bill o'brien is gone so uh maybe maybe they'll let deshaun cook uh (laughs) watson is going to be fairly he's going to be popular ish or is he Eh, not that popular like this game is this is a weird game where let's i think the We'll see stacks, but like there's no pieces. No, no pieces of this game. If I go to look on lineup HQ and just look at them. Like, yeah, like no David Johnson, 13%, Will Fuller, 9%, Brandon Cooks after burning everyone, 6%, Aikens, 5%. Like the Texans have a 30-point total. I I mean, there is buzz in the industry on other shows about like this game. Like the Texans have a 30 point total, but no pieces stand out. Like I Will Fuller 6,600. Okay. Brandon Cooks 4,100. Hopefully he catches one. Sure. Okay. No one's thrilled to play David Johnson ever, but he's 5,200 with a 30 point total as, as a favorite. I mean, to like me, that's the, they're a six and a half point favorite. He's the running back on a team that has a 30 point total as a six and a half. Like that's, we, we've seen over a long sample size that running back correlation goes very heavily to the spread and the implied team total. And mm-hmm. especially unless you think uh, that Duke Johnson is going to just start taking half the snaps away from him. Like why, like why isn't David Johnson at 5,200 more of a play other than people have biased because they think that he's washed. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's the piece that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Jacksonville is, was really bad against the run last year. And um, I've been paying less attention to that trend has continued, but um, yeah, I mean, to me that, that, that's the piece I'd be interested in. I, I wasn't saying that I was necessarily high on Houston for playing purposes. I just, I don't know. I feel like uh, Watson and Fuller can be 
fairly popular at times. Um, but I didn't know if that was really the expectation for this week, but, um, yeah, I mean, to me that if I were going to stack up the Houston side, I think that would be the combination to consider maybe throw in like a, a Jordan Akins, but you know, it's, that's kind of all touchdown dependency, um, which, you know, um, I don't know. I think, yeah, going Watson Fuller would be the preferred, but yeah, I mean, I, Johnson to me feels like kind of the, the, the most desirable piece in this game and, and maybe um, like Johnson or James Robinson. Um, but I, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to play two running backs against one another. Um, so maybe picking one of those guys is like a, a one-off piece around more, uh, you know, more, more involved stacks from, from other games would, would perhaps be the route I'd be interested in taking. I'm most interested that this, this game contains my favorite stack. If you compare to ownership, the Jacksonville stack, Men- 54 total Texans are not necessarily a good defense. Right. Uh, it's the I mean, they have a 23.7 fly fly total. It's higher than the giants. It's almost as high as the Panthers. I mean, like if you're going to take like Fuller on one side or D- DJ on one side, like what's wrong with Minshew, Chark, Chenault? Yeah. Or if Chenault's not playing, you could play Codley or Keelan Cole or Tyler Eifert in a tight end spot. James O'Shaughnessy. I mean, the problem with the Jacksonville Jaguars is that they have like outside of Shark and Robinson, like all of their second, like any one of these guys could go off for, yeah, at 4K or something. You're not sure which one. But the ownership on these guys is just like nothing. Like Minshew's ownership is 3%. I mean, mm. uh, uh, DJ Chark, 8%. Chenault, 2%. If the Texans, if they, they this game goes over and it's a shootout, like why not play the Minshew side of this game? Because Minshew, hey, we've seen him run. He could run. Yeah. You play that side of the game. Especially also we have te- the Texans defense is going to be reasonably popular as like a punt defense. So that you get a little extra leverage that way. I'm not saying it's a high probability chance. I'm assuming in your, in your model that they're not, they're showing not high at all, <laughs> but from a correlation standpoint of the game, that if, if the Texans go up and it's a close game, like if the Texans go up by three scores, it's DJ just pounding the ball. I mean, then they're probably just going to run the ball, try to just get a win right? Just to make sure that they don't make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. But like if the Jaguars keep up in this game, it, it's going to, I mean, it's not going to be through James Robinson getting 28 carries. It's going to be because Minshew has to throw the ball, right? Yeah. Um, I'd have to imagine show, uh, imagine. So I'm interested in kind of what the cross correlation of particularly Chark and Minshew uh, is. It's like neutral to slightly positive. Um, Chark has pretty good cross game correlation, 0.28 with opposing offenses. So, um, yeah, I mean, it seems, seems like checks the box from a correlation standpoint, checks the box from a uh, price, kind of price relative to implied total standpoint. Um, and would have to imagine probably the biggest way the biggest way that checks the box is, I guess, from an ownership standpoint, it seems like this game or that side, I guess, of this game is likely to go massively uh, ignored. So, uh, right. But I mean, the Texans aren't even going to be that owned either. I mean, like they're going to be owned, but not popular. Mm-hmm. So like in comparison, like I'm more likely to have more of this game than the Cowboys giants or the Panthers Falcons. Yeah, And in those games, maybe look for the secondary correlations. Maybe have a couple of those stacks. Mm-hmm. But I just think, like, all these games have, have about the same total. 54, 54, 53 and a half. I mean, whatever. But the game that I think is going to go completely overlooked that has an over 50 total, 49ers-Dolphins. That's yeah. been bet up to 51 and a half. And if you – if I'll, I'll t- let me look look at all the players in this game. Number one, we don't know if Garoppolo is going to play. So we don't, we don't know that. Yeah. Uh, in this entire game, there's only two players that have double-digit ownership. And that's McKinnon and Kittle. 
And McKinnon is only dependent on if, if Raheem Mostert is inactive. Mm-hmm. Mostert is scheduled to play, then none of the running backs for them are going to be owned. Yeah. So how rare do we see it uh, that low ownership on a game that it is a 51 and a half total? I mean, it happened week one. Like that was when we did um, in our week two show and did kind of a review of millionaire maker week one stack ownership. Like San Francisco was the glaring team that had, you know, solid total and just, you know, fairly likely to, you know, score the most points on the slate. And they just went massively under owned. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think it's probably just people still cling. It's just like, San Francisco is perceived as being so run heavy. Um, I guess maybe that's why people gravitate away from them. Maybe there's not much trust in Garoppolo. Um, but yeah, I mean, they we have we have San Francisco as the uh, fourth most likely to score the most points on the slate, ten percent. Um, and like I just have done, just simple kind of salary addition of the quarterback plus two most expensive pieces um, on a particular stack. I mean, San Francisco, 10% likelihood to score the most points on the slate. If you do Garoppolo, Kittle, Samuel, 17.4 K compared to Dallas, which is two percentage points. uh, So, you know, 20% more likely to top the slate relative to San Francisco. You know, they're three, three and a half thousand dollars more expensive um, of their quarterback plus two, you know, biggest pieces. Like it does just seem like a really excellent opportunity to get high total likelihood relative to price. Um, I guess really the thing with San Francisco that you have to stomach is potential for it to come majority through the ground, which isn't really ideal for stacking. And I don't, I mean, I don't know, but like, I don't think San Francisco, if they, if they achieve that total through the air, like I actually don't know that it's that difficult. I mean, you know, you have to imagine a lot of it's going to come through Kittle. I guess the decision with San Francisco to make is do you do do like just like, let's assume Garoppolo plays. Do you do like just Kittle Garoppolo or do you try to, you know, add like a born, I'm sorry, uh, like a Debo or uh, an Ayuk. They're, they're, I think another team that kind of seemed to me at least appealing in a skinny stack capacity, perhaps less so as like a full, you know, two plus one, or I guess what, three plus one, you count quarterback um, stack. But yeah, I mean, they're well-priced, um, high total. Uh, my- why not the other way? Like I'm thinking in the other way. If, if the, I think the problem with the 49ers is that like they could get there in multitude of ways. It could be spread out and like no one has a ceiling. It's like 49ers put up 38 points and then you look at the scores and no one has more than 20. And then you go like, how did that happen? Yeah. Miami, on the other hand, uh, in games that if this game is going to shoot out, we have the shootout artist, which is Ryan Fitzpatrick on the other side. He was mega chalk last week. Devontae Parker was mega chalk. Devontae Parker projected ownership is 3.7%. Isaiah Ford is 3,500. He's 1.5%. And I think people don't realize that he's playing more of the slot routes than Gazicki is. So paying 5K for Gazicki may not be the best option anymore. Uh, Gaskin's 4.8K. Like these, these Dolphins are cheap. And you could just, you could play a Dolphin stack. You could play Fitzpatrick. Parker, Ford, or Gaskin even, and run it back with just Kittle, where Kittle has a monster game, but it's, you know, Garoppolo is not the highest scoring quarterback. And like, it just seems odd that last week, everyone and their mother against the Seahawks wanted to play the Dolphins in a game with the the same type of total and a similar type of spread. And now that it's the 49ers who half of their defense is injured, so it's not like they're the greatest of defenses anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know they have a low total. I mean, it's 21.25. I mean, they have one of the lowest implied totals on the slate. I mean, the Bengals are lower. But if I'm, I'm thinking in terms of not that the Dolphins put up the most points, but if this game turns into a shootout compared to their prices, wouldn't this three plus one with the Dolphins side pay off more likelihood than the 49ers side? 
I guess so. My my fear that, like we discussed last week, like I was shocked last week when I just looked at Fitzpatrick's cross game correlation. Like I would expect that he's a guy who, when he has a monster game, the opposition does too. But the data would suggest that that's like not really the case. Um, and that actually like came to fruition last week. Like Fitzpatrick had you know a strong game, but the Seattle side like didn't get it done. I mean, it it contradicts my, and I think many people's perception around Fitzpatrick, but um, I don't know. The data would suggest that just like, he's not the greatest guy to try to pair with the opposition. Um, I don't know. That's, but, but that's what we're kind of doing with stacks. I mean, if you're not going to play Fitz, a Fitzpatrick stack without a 49er in it. Yeah, no, I, I know. So, um, I mean, to me, I guess, in my opinion, just, Based on that, I'm a little less interested in playing the Fitzpatrick side plus a 49er. Um, Well, the only reason I'm pointing this out is not because I'm high on the Dolphins. I'm high on the ownership. I'm high on the fact that, like, like these are sub-5% owned guys. I mean, just like, like it's, and they're cheap. So, like, it's a vomit stack. This is a classic vomit stack. Yeah, where it's cheap and they're low owned because we've had a lot of vomit stacks that were like Fitzpatrick last week was high owned. So like, I don't want to play high owned vomit stacks. I mm-hmm. want to play low owned vomit stacks. So in a game that has this total, like why can't like Dan- Daniel Jones giant stack qualifies at the same price. And that stack's going to be 10 times more owned than the dolphin stack. Does, yeah. is that to me that's not efficient like yes i think the giant stack is better than the dolphin stack but not mm. 10 times better yeah that makes sense um i would agree i think yeah giant still stack. a low probability play yeah and so with that i mean you'd kind of just be focusing on kittle i guess as as the bring back or i mean or kittle or mckinnon if if, if monster doesn't play okay sure like sure. I'll, I'll play the the, the, the running back because i mean he also catches passes so i don't care Yep. And I don't, and to me, the stack doesn't matter that much if Garoppolo plays or doesn't play. I don't, I don't care. I don't care who's the quarterback. Yeah. I never care who the quarterback is. <laughs> Just the guy that fills a slot that's correlated with my receivers. Yeah. This is the, the pilot show for quarterbacks don't matter. Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, for DFS purposes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. So to wrap things up, those are the games that have the 50 plus totals. Do you see anything interesting in the games with lower? Because we have a couple of games that have lower totals than that. Do you, do you see anything in your model about maybe them overperforming? They're implied because I mean, the Rams and the Cardinals both have 27 points, but I think it, I think it comes down to like the Rams, like it just they play too slow. They run too much. Washington is, uh, I mean, can they keep up or anything? The Browns Colts, that's could be a run fest. And then you have the Jets, and all you have to do is say you have the Jets, and then you just it takes the air out of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it does feel kind of condensed in terms of intrigue, uh, and I do unfortunately think like uh, you know some of these games that were going to be canceled, particularly like Tennessee Buffalo, would would have been interesting. But um, yeah, we don't have much. Um, I mean, I'm just kind of scrolling through our projections, and they're somewhat favorable grades on some players from that pit Philadelphia game. Um, but the, I mean, yeah, most of the stuff I'm kind of seeing towards the top or uh, around the games that we've discussed. Um, so I'm feeling yeah, pretty good with kind of the coverage of the games that are, are going to be hyper relevant and um, yeah, there's not really too much else. I have uh, you know, my notes to, to run through. Right. Like a lot of these seem like one-off pieces. Like you could play James Conner, Deontay Johnson. You could play a Zach Ertz. You could play a Terry McLaurin or what a Cooper Copper Woods. I mean, yeah, you could play Kareem Hunt. You know, you could play, you could play some of these guys. I think the the only option that I see that could be a possibility is uh, the Cardinals skinny stack. You play Murray Hopkins and then you run it back with like a Crowder. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much the targets in that game. But still, it's a low total. I mean, it, like double stacking on either side with Joe Flacco. Just uh, I don't know about that. Maybe this is the maybe this is the Kenyon Drake game. So I mean, maybe you do that instead. Yeah. 
You don't seem so so excited about these games. Yeah, not really. I mean, um, I don't know. I was kind of not as high on Arizona that one week that they, you know, had had kind of the tournament winning mix and uh, have been higher probably than was efficient on them in the weeks that they've, you know, haven't put up the big numbers. And um, yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, a Joe Flacco led Jets team just doesn't feel like a team that's going to be able to push uh, Arizona. And I mean, I still believe that if given the choice, like Arizona would prefer to skew run heavy ish. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, man, New York is just so slow. Le'Veon Bell is back, Stu. He's going to solve it. <laughs> I can't see that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, boosting too much interest. Um, yeah. I got, I got nothing else. I mean, I, I do think there's some, a little bit of intrigue in the, some pieces from, from the pit Philadelphia game. What, what do you, what do you, what do you think in this? Cause to me, I look at this game going, uh, uh, who do you stack on the Eagles? I mean, and then you have Roethlisberger at 6,600 is like the, with, it's a four, it's the lowest total game of the slate. It's 44. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have all these high upside quarterbacks that like someone like Roethlisberger, like has to be double stacked in order to be the top scoring quarterback. Cause it's not like he runs the ball yeah. at all at his price. Like what Juju and Deontay Johnson, like, why would you like, that's as expensive as playing the Cowboys and the, the chiefs. Yeah. I'm not saying interested in, in a stacking standpoint. I mean, really, really more the running backs. Like they have two, both teams feature running backs that are, you know, relevant in the pass catching game and are clearly just so clearly dominating the, the usage, uh, for that positional unit, I, I think they're worth, you know, some, some one-off pieces, but um, yeah, I'm not really saying so much in a, in a stacking context, more just um, that there are interesting pieces specifically at the running back position uh, between Sanders and Connor. Um, right. And they're both going to be single digit owned. So, I mean, yeah. that'd be fine. I mean, pretty much the running back chalk this week is Davis Elliott and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah. Probably uh, McKinnon hunt. Do- David Johnson will get some ownership. I mean, we'll get something around there. But yeah. you know, throughout, throughout Gaskin and talking about the Miami San Francisco game, like I think he's uh, compelling. Um, well, I uh, like those cheap running backs. I like if I'm going to stack up and play, you know, a stack with four wide receivers in it. You know, a four wide receiver flex lineup. Like, like it, out of all these guys, so okay, between the three chalk running backs, let's end with this since we mm-hmm. typically talk about stacks and not necessarily like complete leverage on lineup construction. Yeah. Between Mike Davis at 6,400, Zeke Elliott at 7,800 and Clyde Edwards Lair at 6,800. Who do you think has the most path to busting for their price? Um, so I think it's CEH. Oh, CEH. Okay. I was going to say Zeke just because he's the most expensive. Um, I, I was, I was tempted to say CEH has the most path for busting, but he's like not priced that much more than, than Davis. Um, well, I think a better way, I think a better way to, to phrase the question is that when I, when I mean busting, which one of them has the most likelihood of a 5k running back matching their score. Mm-hmm. So like, as far as like, if, if, David Johnson puts up 20. If Drake puts up 20, if Connor puts up 20, mm-hmm. like if Clyde Edwards Hilaire puts up 20 at 6,800 and I could have gotten that 20 points for 2K cheaper, to me, that's busting. Like gotcha. a cheaper running back put up their score. I just think that Zeke has the ceiling that he could put up a score that no running back can put up. He could have three touchdowns, 100 yards. Like yes, he could he could but yeah because he's seventy eight hundred. Obviously he could he needs to put up more points. I just think in comparison to the slate, I think Zeke has the highest ceiling. I mean it shows in, in the projections yeah. that it's worth aiming for the ceiling and then fading one of the other guys. Like Davis could have a great PPR game, have eighteen points. Does that win you a GPP? I mean, he could, but I mean, you could probably get 18 points from some on some other running back. So like, that's, that's really how I'm looking at this. I just think the chiefs have so many weapons. Yeah. That's, that CEH could be like, it could go through him. He could just, he could have 12 points. I mean, it, it, 
Like oh, the other, at least the other, like, yeah, Zeke has a lot of, they, they have a lot of weapons also, but they use him a lot as well. Davis, Dave, I guess, I mean, he's just cheaper. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just see CH could have a game where he has 32 points. And then if he has a game of 32 points, that means Tyreek and Kelsey didn't get there. But if Tyreek and Kelsey get there, like we've seen, we've, I mean, we've seen this year that, you know, if he doesn't get in the end zone and he's not going to get four or five passes out of the backfield, he could touch the ball 20 times and still only get 12 points. Yep. Well, our projections as of now would, I think, agree with you that we have Davis and Elliott projected as the top two, uh, you know, per, per dollar values at the position and Edwards Hilaire towards the top, but below guys like Robinson or, or Gaskin or Sanders uh, on, on like a, on a per dollar basis. So. Right. Not so much raw, but um, so it sounds uh sounds reasonable to me. Right, and and everyone out there, you can get our projections here at Roto Grinders by signing up to Premium Core Four Premium. You can use the code in the description of the YouTube video. Rotogrinders.com/slash/media/slash/asa. You'll get five dollars off your first month of Core Four Premium. That's NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA. Everything lineup HQ. You could build a million lineups. Use all we have Roto Academy videos. I've, if you don't know how to use lineup HQ, I've done a ton. Me, Britt, Divine, uh, Toe Tag, and Tambo. We've done a ton of uh, how to and tutorial videos, even with the NFL process. Like there's literally a two hour video of me and Tambo going through exactly how we use lineup HQ from start to finish. It's a two hour long video. You get it with premium. So sign up rotogrinders.com slash media slash ASA. The link is in the description. So, uh, Stuart, uh, good. I, I, I'd wish you luck this week, but I'm going to wish myself luck first <laughs> and wish you luck second. Uh, I right. uh, hope you're going to have time to play some larger field or cause we don't, we talk primarily of large field GPPs, not necessarily single, like, like, uh, in single entry, I don't think I'm playing a Ryan Fitzpatrick stack and, and, you know, I don't think I need to get that, like, weird. But uh, but since if you play single entry, I could definitely see landing more on the chalk. Yeah. Well, I'd love uh, in future shows, and, you know, I should probably, before embarking on this in a future show, maybe do some kind of just exploratory data analysis. I would be very interested to hear kind of how your strategy deviates uh, when thinking about these smaller field, uh, you know, uh, entry capped, you know, three entry, single, three entry, single entry, or even like the 20, I, I kind of like the 20 entry max, uh, tournaments. I, I would be interested to hear kind of how your strategy deviates when thinking about those. Um, well, well the, the, the main thing, I'm not going to go deep into it right now, but the variables that we look at at GPP tourna- at, at tournaments is field size. And that'll d- dictate how much, how, what score you have to put up essentially, and and ownership and in we use ownership as a perspective like we're quoting numbers that are primarily for large field but like if mike davis is going to be 28 percent in a large field contest he could be 40 percent in a single entry contest you know ezekiel elliott could be instead of 24 he could be 32 so now you have to tailor your lineup construction towards is Mike da- is Mike Davis worth playing at forty percent ownership versus playing at twenty eight percent ownership? So that really that's the the only difference of like the leverage opportunities are so much higher in single entry and three max contests because people tend to play chalkier lineups, so you get more leverage by not playing. Like if I like if you were to decide to fade the chalkiest player in single entry and then just build the best lineup. Like that wouldn't be that bad of an approach because typically the most owned players are also the most over-owned and the least owned players are even lower owned than they would be in the large field contest. So really that the show that we've gone through with all the correlations and what stacks is, I mean, you're staying the same. It's just that I could get there. I could still play a cow. I could play a Daniel Jones Cowboys game stack and then play and then fade two of the chalky running backs and then be fine. Like I, it's a smaller contest or I could do the reverse. I could play the three chalky running backs and then play an off the board stack because they're going to be much less owned because the chalk stack is going to be much more owned. So really that's the only difference 
is that you're you, that's why looking at ownership it really depends on the contest that you're playing and not just some one like average thing as a whole okay um cool yeah i'd be i'd love on some of the future shows to yeah just yeah have some consideration for uh you know how we might be you know we do focus so much i know brandon particularly likes these kind of large field uh tournaments but i would be interested to hear kind of uh yeah, how strategy shifts around a little bit um, for some of these other tournaments. But uh, right, and if you ha- if you have any questions out there, anyone, you, we normally go through some of the high total games and the correlations and the stacks. Uh, you could uh, tweet me at Blender HD or Stewart at Start Gibson. If you want to start with him, you start you start with Gibson on <laughs> Twitter. He will reply to you eventually. He, he he will he will see he will see your tweets once in a while. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, Twitter, um, you know, the ASA Twitter is a good resource and we, we try to, you know, showcase some of our tools there and with, you know, a mix of showing the tools, but also some thought around those tools and kind of how that, how that could be incorporated into construction. Uh, so you can find us there or at the website, advancedsportsanalytics.com. Um, another, another good place where we have some resources and stuff there. So uh, check it out if you're so inclined. Okay. So for Stuart Gibson, I'm Jordan Cooper, and that has been the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on rotogrinders.com. Yeah.